Hey, hey, y'all. If you want to head to our website to check out all the different things Pizzazz offers, then just head to pizzazzart.com. That's P-Z-A-Z-Z-A-R-T.com. You will see our online memberships. We've got kids club memberships, our lettering club membership, our one project a month membership. We call that paint and praise. You will see some freebies that we've got there for you. And you'll see our local classes if you're local. So head to the website, check it out, pizzazzart.com, P-Z-A-Z-Z-A-R-T.com. Hey, hey, y'all. This is Casey Hope with the Here's Hope podcast. And today I'm super excited to have Christy McLeland on. She is a lot of things. She is an author and a teacher. I am currently reading her book, Rediscovering Israel, but she's got lots of other books and Bible studies. And she has been studying in Egypt and Israel since 2007. And after that, she began leading biblical study trips to Israel. And so she has a wealth of knowledge She has a podcast called Pearls that you can also listen to her on. And today I'm excited just to chat with her. She's so smart and has got (laughs) so much to learn from as I am seeing as I'm going through her book. So I'm just excited for y'all to hear from her today. So Christy, welcome, welcome. Casey, Hope, thank you for having me. You have a fantastic last name, by the way. I smiled when I saw (laughs) it at a podcast called Finding Hope in Chaos. Man, what a time for a podcast that's focused on that. So thank you for being you and for what you're giving to the world in this podcast contribution. And I'm really excited for our conversation today. Awesome. Me too. Me too. So the first thing that I would love for you to address, and I see this almost at the, almost at the very beginning of your book is teaching people how to The difference between reading God's word with a Western cultural lens, which is what we do, you know, we read it through our viewpoint of life versus reading it through a Middle Eastern lens, which is what it was written. So can you speak to that for a little bit? Yeah, I think for me, when the Lord opened up the door for me to go study the Bible in Egypt and Israel in 2007, I already had three years of seminary, my seminary degree under my belt. I was already on staff at a church teaching Bible. I was already at the college teaching Bible. And I really went to study in a spirit of professional development, just as a Bible teacher, constantly trying to gain experiences and resources to help equip me. And I went to Israel and just learned that the living God is better than I ever knew and was just blown away when I was finally able to read these stories of the Bible in their incarnational spaces, in the very culture and language and geography. And the way I like to talk about it, it's not that the Western way is wrong and the Middle Eastern way is right, but it is an enhancement. It's sort of Like Casey, I could read a book about you. I could even see a photo of you on the back of it, but that's different than me being with you. Hearing your voice, seeing your smile, feeling your personality. And I feel like when I went to study in Israel, all of a sudden I was getting to know the living God so much more personally and getting to know Jesus in his first century Jewish world and culture. And, you know, I fell in love. I fell in love with the Lord. I fell in love with the Bible in a brand new transformative way that I've never recovered from. I came home from that biblical study experience and started taking teams to Israel, which I've been doing since 2008. I really feel like 
a core function and calling of my life is to be a bridge between the Western church and the world and lands of the Bible in Israel. I love that. I love it. Well, so if somebody is saying, okay, so how, like, tell me more, they're listening to you and they're like, okay, tell me more. Where do they start from, of, you know, just wanting to learn more about God and through the Middle Eastern lens, if they are not able to go on a trip, what is the next best thing? Man, that's a great question. And honestly, Casey, that was the heart behind the Rediscovering Israel book that we just released. It's been out for a little bit over a month, but about a year ago, I started feeling like the Lord was really saying to me, and some of it came when COVID hit and I couldn't take teams to Israel. But for all these years, I've been a bridge in a sense of taking people to Israel. Mm-hmm. And during COVID, there was this rumbling that started in my heart. And then about a year ago, it really found me where I felt like the Lord was saying, Christy, I want you to be a bridge in reverse as well. I want you to bring Israel here to the Western church. And so for years and years, I've taught just what I call the Israel course. And it was to biblically prepare all of the teams that I was taking to Israel. And so that is what we've compiled together in the Rediscovering Israel book. It's the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation through a Middle Eastern lens, Mm -hmm. kind of getting up above at 35,000 feet and flying over and seeing the scriptures in their historical, cultural, geographic, linguistic context. And the gift of that to the world from my heart is some will go to Israel, some will not, some want to go to Israel, some do not but have a genuine interest in strengthening and deepening and expanding their understanding of the biblical story. You know, the Bible is one story. It is the best and truest story that's ever been told. And we're in this story, the New Testament church. We don't read the Bible like it's a story outside of us. We read the Bible and we find ourselves in the story, how we're being invited to partner with Jesus to see heaven come to earth, to see the kingdom of God come down to the ground. And so it's an exceptional resource for people. The other thing that I would just say is there are a few Bibles that are out there that are fantastic resources for gaining a better understanding of the Bible. And it's sort of historic cultural lens. The NIV first century study Bible is incredible. The NIV cultural background study Bible, the NIV archaeological study Bible. Those are all three that I use and reference all the time. But all the commentary and the maps and everything will give people that narrative of the Bible in its indigenous world, which is the world of the Middle East. Awesome. Those are great resources. Thank you so much. There are several of those that I have not even heard of. So um, so that's awesome. Thank you very much. And I also love how in your book, you also include so many pictures that also yes. help with that visual, you know, yes. if we can't be there, like, let's just see and, you know, just through the lens of just to see in the pictures are so helpful as well. All right. So let's, we're going to dive into a, a few questions that I think are fun. I do not know that what your, your answer is going to be on these. So I am learning right along with a listener. Uh, So number one, what can Christians learn from the Hanukkah celebration? Oh, what a great question. And even as we're recording this together, Hanukkah is on the way. It'll be here in just a few weeks. And I always love to start out with Hanukkah is not Jewish Christmas. 
just because it shares December with Advent and Christmas. I think a lot of Christians just associate it with that. Mm-hmm. But Hanukkah is this deep historical story that happened during the intertestamental period. So that little white page in your Bibles between Malachi the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, there's a little white page. And that little white page represents about 400 years of human history known as the intertestamental period. And the story of Hanukkah happened during that time period. And the very word Hanukkah, it means dedication, rededication. It carries this idea of consecration. This story when the Seleucid Empire came in and Antiochus IV tried to stamp out the religion of the Jews. He forbade Sabbath. He forbade the feast and the festivals. He wouldn't allow circumcision. If he could find Torah scrolls, he would burn them. And the Jewish people just rose up this miraculous story of coming to the temple and finding the menorah unlit and finding one cruise of oil that miraculously stayed lit for eight nights, that flame of the Lord, that presence of the Lord, while they cleansed and cleaned the temple and ultimately Hanukkah it, rededicated it to the Lord. And historically, it's a story of Jewish resistance. But for us as Christians, it's all about lighting lights. There's this great quote By the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, he once said, we can curse the darkness or we can light a light. And I am a fierce follower of Jesus who believes that we are not here to curse the darkness. We are not here to simply be against things. We are here to light lights. We are here to be for the kingdom of God coming. We are for seeing heaven come to earth. We are for the way of Jesus, that path of light in the world. And we're here to be for it. We're here to bring it. We're here to partner with the Lord. And so Hanukkah for me, I think about Hanukkah all throughout the year, to be completely honest, it calls me again every December to a spirit of rededicating my own life back to the Lord. I want to be a vessel used by you. I want to be a watchman on the wall for you. Put me in the game, coach. I want to be a part of this great restoration and renewal and redemption that you're working and moving in the earth. And so Hanukkah is deeply embedded in the idea of lighting lights, the presence of the Lord, rededicating ourselves, not pushing back the darkness in a sense of adversarially, but pushing back the darkness in the sense of subversive kingdom, lighting lights, doing good, bringing hope, bringing generosity, bringing a spirit of sufficiency, not scarcity, You know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, we are the light of the world. So just as Jesus is light, we are meant to be light. And that's what Hanukkah really calls us to, even as Gentile Christians peering into it from afar, as our Jewish friends are celebrating the eight days and nights of Hanukkah. I think it really is like a word that's being spoken to us, even as a even as a Christian people in the Western church. Oh man, I love that. Like, oh, I love Hanukkah. Oh, I mean, in just five minutes, make me want to go go buy the menorah and get, oh, get I love that. Yes. I have never heard it explained like that. I did. I also did not know. I think just because we don't usually celebrate it, I, you know, don't dive deep on it. I did not know that, that it meant rededication. I didn't know that that's, that's what Hanukkah stood yes. for. 
man. So that is a beautiful, beautiful visual of exactly what you just said. Rededication and being lights to the world. That's right. I love that. Love it. Love it. Okay. And then the next thing, um, five things that might surprise us about the birth of Jesus or the birth of Christ. Yeah, man, this is such a great question because we literally filmed with Lifeway Women last night in Nashville. It's called the Prepare Him Room virtual event. And I taught on the birth story of Jesus in its historical cultural context. And a few things I would say, so I literally just spent an hour last night teaching this, but to boil it down into five things, I would probably say it like this. When we're envisioning Bethlehem 2000 years ago, we're thinking of a village, not a city, not a town, maybe two, 300 people, you know, scholars sort of vary on that, but definitely very small. And in a world where your assets are your land, and sort of the father's house and sons marrying and building onto that, most likely the people in Bethlehem were family. A lot of them are related to each other. So when the Bible talks about Joseph and Mary traveling the 94 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, first of all, they are most likely not traveling alone. You don't travel alone in the ancient world, you'll get jacked up. You always travel with a caravan. You travel with other families to share provisions, safety and security and fellowship. And I think so often we envision Joseph and Mary, Mary on a donkey, just all by themselves, making that journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But we need to really embed them more in a sense of a caravan. And interestingly enough, there's a, there's a little clue I think in the Bible about the whole donkey thing, because the Bible never says that Mary actually rode on a donkey. And I'm not sure that she did, because in Luke two, when it talks about after the time of purification, when Joseph and Mary went to the temple to offer the sacrifice for a firstborn male, Torah law says that if the woman cannot afford a lamb, she is allowed to offer two doves or two young pigeons as sacrifice. And Luke two says that that's what Mary offered. Mm -hmm. It's known as the poor man's sacrifice or the poor woman's sacrifice. So if you can't afford a lamb, it's difficult to understand how you could afford a donkey. So when I am envisioning Joseph and Mary making that 94 mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, I envision them embedded within a caravan of families traveling and I envision her walking. Now, maybe somebody loaned her a donkey. We're not really sure. But the other just amazing thing about the story and modern translations of the Bible are actually starting to change this. But that very famous idea of they get to Bethlehem and there's no room for them in the end. No one will take them in. You know, this is Joseph's family. Joseph is going home. Luke 2 says that a census was issued by the Romans and Joseph went back to his town of Bethlehem because he was of the line of David. So when they're going back to Bethlehem, he's going home where he knows several people in Bethlehem in a hospitality world. And so that word in our English Bibles that's rendered in, it's the Greek word kataluma, and it means guest room. It's the second smaller room 
built onto a larger family room in the Bethlehem region 2000 years ago. And they would often build those homes over caves or they would dig out structures because you bring your animals in at night. That's your assets. You don't leave your sheep out at night. Predators will eat them. The weather will kill them. They'll get stolen. So we're envisioning these homes in Bethlehem for these this shepherding culture where the animals are coming in at night and you would envision a manger being in the cave underneath the house. So when Luke two says that while they were there, they are in Bethlehem in a family home when the time came for Jesus to be born. And it talks about there wasn't any room for them, not in an inn, not in an ancient Motel 8, but in the Cataluma. That's the Greek word in that guest room, because it's not just Joseph and Mary coming home. It's a family reunion. People are coming back to their hometowns to register for the Roman census for taxation. So when I envision the birth of Jesus, I envision him being born in a family home in the middle of a family reunion aunts and uncles passing him around. There's a lot of people in the home because they're not the only ones. And he's laid in a manger below in a way of just that that's kind of what you do in that hospitality world. And so this idea of Joseph and Mary traveling alone and being in some random cave on the side of the road, giving birth to Jesus all by themselves. When you really look at Luke chapter two, I think it's verses one to seven. The story just doesn't read that way. And I'm always telling my students that we read the Bible because it shows us who the living God is and what he's like. And family is a big deal to the Lord. And I would tell you that I really believe that the living God orchestrated human events, even using a Roman calling for a Roman census for taxation that Jesus, Joseph, Mary experienced that nativity with family in Bethlehem in a home. That's good. That's so interesting. What we just naturally do, like what you're just saying, we assume things that aren't necessarily in the Bible sometimes. And then we, we make this a picture and then we go back and read and we're like, Oh wait, it doesn't say that. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think these um, books and Bible studies and listening to you talk and people who have studied this is so interesting. We always have to go back and, you know, check it with scripture, but the more we, we, we read and we learn, it just opens our eyes because I just, I love, I love what you just shared because so often our view is a picture we've seen in a kid's book. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we see it as a young child and we, and we sometimes we think that's exactly how it is. And I love how yes. you're pointing out that, no, the Bible doesn't exactly say that, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't say, say that uh, whenever we watch the series of the chosen, I love that for so many reasons. And one of them is exactly this, because sometimes it challenges things that you thought of. And I know not everything of it is exactly a hundred percent, you know, biblical, but a lot of it is where you can watch the chosen and you're going back to scripture to say, wait, does that say that? Because I've never noticed that before. And a lot of what you're saying right here, it's like, it makes you want to dive back in and like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't say Absolutely. Um, that exactly. And so, um, so I love this and I love, um, I just love your, your, 
depth of knowledge because <laughs> you are who we want to learn from. I'm somebody who has studied this and dive deep. Tell me some of your other resources because I know like you've given us just these little nuggets of things that are just like so, so rich and interesting and just make us want to learn more about God's word. So tell me some more resources that you have out there that people can go to to learn from. I know I've had several friends that tell me I've done a couple of her Bible studies and I, I spoke at a church yesterday and they did a, a little video preview of what was to come and you were up on the screen and I was like, oh, that's fun. I'll be talking to her tomorrow. And so that's I, know, awesome. <laughs> I know that you've got Bible studies and um, different things. So what are some other ways if this, you know, I feel like this conversation, it just might spark somebody be like, I want and need to learn more about what this Bible actually says. I want to, you know, to view this in a way, like you say so often, not to, not what can I, what does the Bible tell me about me, but what does it tell me about God? And so what are some other resources that you've got out there in the world that we can point people to? Oh, thank you for asking that, Casey. So I have a few Bible studies with Lifeway and all, everything is the Bible through a Middle Eastern lens. So my first one was called Jesus and Women in the first century and now. I have another Bible study with Lifeway called The Gospel on the Ground. It's the story of the early church in the book of Acts. I was part of a compilation Bible study with Lifeway Women called When You Pray. I believe there were six authors that all participated in that. I was the, the final week of the Bible study booklet and the final teaching for the videos and loved getting to be part of that. Uh, my next Bible study with Lifeway, it doesn't come out till August 2024, but it's called Luke in the Land. And we filmed all of the teachings in Israel back in September, right before everything happened on October 7th. We were in the land for about 10 days. And I am so excited and passionate because you talked about the photos and the Rediscovering Israel book. But in this project, we're going to be able to bring it in video style, mm. but being in the land. And I'm really excited about that one. Obviously, Rediscovering Israel, that book just came out with Harvest House Publishers in October of this year. And then I partnered with K-Love and Access More to do a 12-episode podcast called Pearls. And the reason it's called Pearls is there's rabbinic language around the fact that every biblical story is like a great pearl. It is beautiful unto itself, but what's more beautiful is stringing the pearls together. All of the stories in the Bible synthesized into that one grand overarching story and narrative of the living God making all things new, bringing that deep restoration, renewal, repair, and redemption to the world. And so people can find that on Access More. It's 12 of my favorite teachings um, of time spent in the land. Um, so those are kind of the current resources that we have going on. Um, and thank you for asking, because what I am finding in the Western church is just more and more people. There really is this renewed sense of hunger mm -hmm. of wanting to see the Bible in its native habitat in its first century or, mm -hmm. or old Testament context. And the one other thing I'll just say, Casey, there's a, there's another author professor that I just want to make everybody aware of because he he's pastored me through his writings. Honestly, he passed away a few years ago, but his name is Dr. Kenneth Bailey. B-A-I-L-E-Y, Dr. Kenneth Bailey, and he was an American who taught Bible for 40 years in Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, and Israel. 
So he is this beautiful blend because he was Western like us, but he spent 40 years processing Bible in its Middle Eastern context. And he was a, a, a professor. So any of his books, if there is a book by Dr. Kenneth Bailey, get it, read it, eat it, put hot sauce on it, ingest it, <laughs> take it in. But the one that I will recommend that is a classic. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I am just ready to bite down on something so hard. Dr. Bailey wrote a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And it is literally in my top five books of all time. And you're talking to a nerd who is constantly reading multiple books at one time. But it is a just, I don't even know how to talk about it enough, but get a hold of that book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by Dr. Kenneth Bailey. Treat it to yourself for Christmas or something. You will not regret it. He was a phenomenal human being. Again, we lost him. He passed away a few years ago, but I love connecting people to his work. Awesome. 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 Well, you, I am just taking notes after notes. <laughs> right <now. laughs> Bible studies I want to do. So thank you. Thank you. And then also tell people, cause this surprised me. I just asked before we got on, I asked you when you were going back to Israel and this surprised me. So tell me when you're headed back for more trips. Yeah, I've got teams in March of next year. And so Lord willing, we'll be able to go there. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the land right now. And we are praying uh, for God's protection for all innocents. We are praying for the eradication of evil. We are praying for the kingdom to come there. Um, I've been praying a lot for both Israelis and Palestinians as somebody that just spends so much time in the land. Um, just asking the Lord, there've been so many times I would just pray and be like, Lord, I, I don't even know exactly what to say, but I'm just going to groan before you. And I want you just to hear and know my heart. I just want to advocate for the people there through prayer, whatever the Bible means by travailing in prayer, just giving ourselves to that work of prayerful intercessory contending. I've just felt so connected to that um, since October 7th. Um, but yeah, Lord willing, I'll be back there in five months. Okay. And if people wanted to go on a trip where you were the teacher, is that something open to the public or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. If people want to stay connected with me and kind of travel along with us, whether it's national speaking engagements or trips to Israel, they can just go to my website. It's christymcclellan.com and they can subscribe for free. It just adds you to our email list. We don't share your contact information with anyone, but We'll send out notifications for biblical study trips with a registration link or when new Bible studies or resources or books are coming out. Um, we'll send that out to kind of uh, our family that follows along with us via email and anybody anywhere around the world is welcome to join me in Israel. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being here, man. You just, you have just rich content and in depth of wisdom in just a short amount of time. And so I just, I thank you so much for giving your time to share it with our listeners today. Casey, thank you so much for the encouragement. It is not lost on me. Thank you again for doing your podcast, for just establishing yourself to be a hopeful presence in the world. We need it. We need it always, but we need it right now. And Advent's on the way. Hanukkah's on the way. Christmas is on the way. More than ever, it's a time for the people of God to show up and light lights in this world and see heaven come to earth. So let's go be about it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
I hope y'all enjoyed that podcast. I'll be sure to go like, subscribe this, leave a review. Let us know how you're liking it. We like that feedback. And if you want to follow us on other social platforms on Instagram, it's Pizzazz Art Studio. Same for Facebook. And Pizzazz is P-Z-A-Z-Z. Pizzazz Art Studio. Go check us out and see what all we have to offer over there. 